good life Settle down with the dog Furry, fun and faithful, they will do what they can They've been man's best friend since human records began I tell you, get yourself in the good life Weave a message to Flora Welcome to Stu's Inspirations, episode two. And ladies and gentlemen, today I am joined by someone that can only be described as a national treasure. Uh, she's an actress, presenter, comedian, and you'll probably best recognise her voice because she's always on our radios. She's often on BBC Radio 2 and more recently on Virgin Radio. It's the one and only Maria McCurlin. Hi, Hello, Maria. Stuart. Hello, my love. How are you? I'm, you know, struggling on this miserable Storm Christoph day. Been <sighs> pouring with rain. We've Isn't been it? in lockdown since 1953. <laughs> uh, I just don't know what's going on. January is hard enough, isn't it, really? Yes. And we don't need all these other things going on. But, um, you know, it is what it is, as everyone says. And we both obviously live in Hastings, in case anyone didn't know that. And we're, we're very lucky to have the beach, aren't we, in the, the seafront? We are. Beach to walk our dogs and to see that there's a bigger picture out there. Because when you've got one whole sort of, you know, 180 degrees of sea and sky, it sort of suddenly makes you realise that there's a... You know, you're very tiny. Yeah, it really does. Like when that wind's blowing and the and the sea's roaring, and it really, even though it, even on the worst days, it's so refreshing to have that. Mm. I love it. So I'm always seeing you um, out and about in St Leonard's where we live. Um, you've usually got Dolly with you. How does she get on with the, this sort of weather? She's not, you know, not a big fan of the rain. If you don't see me walking about, you see me cycling with Dolly in the front basket, her herring around the place, being a danger to motorists everywhere. Um, no, she's tiny. She's a toy poodle and she does not like the rain. And where I live down a little Twitten, it's, um, which means an alleyway. It's an East Sussex word for sort of tiny little alleyway, the sides of a street. I think in the olden days up north, they used to call them the backs. So the backs them, of the buildings. They call them snickets somewhere. In snickets. Some I don't snicket. know that one. So down the Twitter, and I've got a, my own wind tunnel, darling. So Dolly quite often gets lifted off her very legs. She got quite good at, you know, wind surfing. So when you started riding your bike with her in your basket, how did she get on with that? Was that like an instant... I can do well, this. Well, from just... when she was a puppy, because I had one before that used to do that. So I just thought, look, you know, everything really you do with this, uh, a dog, the the earlier you get them used to it, i.e. keeping them in the kitchen, fail, uh, not having them in the bedroom, fail, not having <laughs> them on your bed, fail. fail. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I'm very aware of this thing now. So I put her in the basket from, you know, early and she doesn't need to clip on her collar. She just very happy puts a little paw outside the basket, oh looks God. around. And, you know, I was living in London then. So we were doing quite a lot of that in London with big buses and traffic and so on. But she's fine. It's her little safe place almost. Little does she know she has to have trust in me. And really, I'm not to be trusted. <laughs> Well, no, she's so cute and she really does have complete trust in you. I, mean, I, I find it. Um, can you try, imagine me trying to get Ralph in the front basket? Well, Ralph is about 19 stone and about seven foot high. So 
I think you're better off putting him on wheels, basically. Would, just get four would. little wheels and put on casters. And I think he'd. I think Ralph would be like, "Yeah, I'll give it a try." I think he. He said, yeah, "I can probably get in there, no problem." He tries. Or to maybe you could have a little trailer, Stuart. I think maybe a trailer that you know the prongs just go on your back wheel, and then you could put all your dogs, and you could be the maddest man in St Leonard's. Well, not the maddest. Come on. There is someone in my London salon. There's someone that comes there and he's got, um, I think he's got a boxer that sits in a trailer that he, that he pushes along on his bike. It's amazing. I see a lot of people with um, shopping trolleys with their dogs poking out the top or little prams and push chairs. And I always think, oh, no, that's terrible. You know, I always think they probably have dolls in there as well. But it will be me soon. Yeah. We've all got to get through this, Stuart. I'm, I'm got- not here to judge others because, listen... I'm as nutty as they come. Lockdown has just made us do very, very, you know, crazy yeah. things just to get by. I've still, I'm just sitting at my, looking at my Christmas tree, which is still up. <laughs> I can't believe it's got shiny up. baubles on and lights. Why would I take it down in these darkened times? It does make mm-hmm. you happy. I, in fact, I walk around the streets of St Leonard's and see a, a lot of uh, people have still got Christmas decorations up. It's not just you. Well, you can keep them up officially till Candlemas, which is the 2nd of February. That's the 40 days of Christmas. Useless fact for you there. You're making it up. I'm not. I'm not. The 12 days of Christmas is relatively new in comparison. You should do this on Mastermind. This could be your specialist. I've done Mastermind. This could be your specialist subject. Celebrity Mastermind. what what, What was your specialist subject when you were on it? Um, it was one of the Mitfords. It was Unity Mitford. Wow. And um, I came second. I was annoyed. So when you go and do these shows, like when you go up to the studios and, and you're on Master, Celebrity Mastermind, do you take Dolly? Uh, I didn't take Dolly for Mastermind. I do take it. I did take it to the BBC. It was 10 years I was at the BBC on Radio 2. I know. It was, Graham Norton. it was such a, well, it is such a brilliant show. And, and like I said, your voice is so recognisable straight away. Everyone knows it. Well, see, they used to know it from Eurotrash. Um, clearly, do, my, I've got a face for radio. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, as yet, I haven't been up to the Virgin Studios, which are on the uh, 17th floor, right next to the Shard. <laughs> with beautiful views of London, because we've been in lockdown. Uh, so when you went to the studios at the BBC, you said you took Dolly with you. Yes, I had to get her, um, I had to get her risk assessed. So you I had a, laminate, a laminated form so that she wouldn't, um, you know, bite anyone, bring disease into the building, uh, <laughs> do any of her business. I mean, how, how you can guarantee that, I don't know. Did she, ever, did she ever do she, any other business? She normally used to sit on my lap in the studio, but then once she was bounding around in the studio and um, they'd set up for S Club 7, do I mean, or somebody like that. Well, I hope um, so. I love S Club. They'd set up for them to come in. And then the sound engineer said, I think she's bitten through a cable. <laughs> so <laughs> when they got to reach for the stars, went a bit... <laughs> No. So, um, and then once somebody did a poo in Johnny Walker's studio, it wasn't Dolly. Sarah Cox takes her dogs in as well. She's what got a dog. Say Sarah Cox did it. No, no. <laughs> Sarah Cox is fully house trained and a lovely woman, but her dogs go in as well. So it was annoying that I should get the blame. But Johnny Walker sent me an email saying, "Look, I'm a dog lover, but you know, enough is enough." And I was thinking, 
look, I'm going to have this poo DNA'd so that I can prove it's not Dolly. But I didn't because I thought, no, be the bigger person, take it on the chin. Not not literally, obviously, no. take the poo on the chin. <laughs> um, so that's the BBC for you. He does uh, use that studio and you don't want to be sitting in a studio with a poo. But then Steve Wright, on the other hand, I'm giving away all the... <laughs> he often used to take his pull his own teeth out or maybe he's got a an aversion to the dentist I don't know he's a he's a lovely man Steve Wright but so he would all have tooth pain and he would constantly gargle with um TCP and then spit it into the bin or put it on tissue and put that in the bin so any studio he's been in you just know that it's the TCP studio. It's yeah, Steve Wright's been in here. This is horrifying. Like, I'm literally like, it's like a horror film. I mean, well, is it, and do you think that Virgin's going to be like this? I think Virgin is a little more, um, you know, it's a relatively new company. I mean, the BBC, those studios have been going forever and ever are men. It's in Wogan House, uh, where the great man himself used to record his show. And, you know, it's quite sort of old fashioned. You know, it, every Christmas, it's the same decorations that go up. And it's a bit like um, a community centre for old people. You know, there's t tinsel. Who uses tinsel anymore? Nobody. <laughs> what about those paper chains? Remember the paper chains that you used paper to chains. It's all a bit tragic. Whoever does the Christmas decorations, <laughs> you know, hasn't been, hasn't watched the design programmes. That's all I will say. I did a podcast interview at The Spectator once, and I, that's how I imagine it to be similar. That's been yeah, it's kind of a bit crusty. Yeah. And, you know, people think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so did, when you got in touch with Virgin and all that contract all happened, did you mention Dolly? Yeah, I think because it's um, a news building, I think they've got a dog van there, actually. Oh, I love that. Oh, this no, a dog ban. Oh, a dog, dog. ban. I what did you think I said? I, I wasn't sure. What the, I, I thought because lots of these new companies that are amazing yeah. have got like areas that are just like play areas for dogs. Like we yeah. went to, where did we go? Me and Julie were doing something for the Groomer Spotlight. We went to this amazing company in Holborn. And the whole building was literally built for people to bring their dogs to work with them. How lovely. So I, that's how I imagine Virgin to be because you think, you know, it's, forward thinking and you know well it's a lot it's the whole kind of times radio is there and talk talk radio used to be there wow. i remember i did actually smuggle her in once when i did uh, matthew matthew matthew's rights show hmm. on talk radio and it was fine but anyway we'll cross that bridge when we come to it i mean Absolutely. you know hope, i hopefully lockdown will be over soon and i'll be able to find out and you've got quite a good support network down here anyway so you've got people that look after dolly if you can't be there don't you so what how does that work oh well my friend who i share the beach hut with emma she normally has dolly for any overnight so when i was in hospital for uh, unexpected hospital dash for four days she had dolly for four days and would just send me pictures while i was in hospital bed to cheer me up Oh, that's, that's lovely. That's a good friend. And it's so funny, yeah. whenever I come down or walk down, in the, especially in the summer, I walk down past your beach hut, there you are, sitting with a glass, glass of Prosecco or champagne. Yeah, Prosecco Road, they call it. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> because it is. Um, but, you know, we long for those days. At least when we had lockdown before, it was coming into the summer, wasn't it? I mean, we had March and then it was quite a nice April. 
But being enclosed inside, you wouldn't want to really be outside at the moment, though, because no. it's so horrid. Although I'm doing a lot of running, I find. I'm Are you? I'm doing a lot of running, yeah. These outside? Days. Outside, <laughs> yes, rather than just around my house. Yeah, me and no, my... No, I thought maybe you had a running machine, like I've got a cross trainer. Oh, no. I'm demonstrating it for you. I can see. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, me and my friend Steve do, do a good 5K or 6K about three times a week. Very good. How long does this 5K take you? 30 minutes. Excellent. Not bad. I'd love to, I'm trying to get my times down a bit because I've got a friend, Melanie, who's an actress as well. And she really sadly lost a child a few years ago um, to a really rare form of cancer. And she's, her and her husband are just the nicest people and they do lots of benefits, etc. And they've decided to do the Cardiff Half Marathon. And they've asked me to take. <laughs> so that's 13 miles, yeah? 13 miles and I'm doing 5K. So I just thought to my, it was supposed to be in March. And so I thought, oh God, I'm going to have to really get training because I've got to get myself, my stamina up. So I started doing it and it's really hard. My knees, I'm too hard. I'm like, when you get to sort of mid 40s. Well, the thing is with a half marathon or even the full marathon, you don't have to go hell for leather. You can do it in a, you know, a long time and hobble around. Look, people do it wearing diving bells, you know, but you want to do it like a runner. You want to be Mo Farah. <laughs> so, well, you better move your ass from 5K then. That's all I have to say to you. Right. Well, the thing is, is that I, I'm actually really enjoying it now. And even though the weather's been dreadful, just like we were saying earlier, running along that seafront, it's so nice. I just really refreshes. It's really cold for the first five minutes. And I'm always saying to my friend Steve, I'm freezing, I'm freezing. And then suddenly it's gone. Because Boiling. Yeah, I'm absolutely. But what about, I would say, if you've got bad knees, uh, run on grass. You, there's some lovely, lovely, you could run up the hill to the, to the fire hills. What you've said there, exactly, and what you've just said there is exactly why I don't, because I live at the top of Silver Hill, which, and there's a beautiful park. I live right at the top of Alexandra Park, and it's gorgeous, but it's so hilly. I can't, I wouldn't, <laughs> I'd never be running it. It's hard enough to walk up it. <laughs> well, walk, walk up the hill and then do a bit of running, you know, do that training. Yeah, that's what I should do. I've, I've said to Steve the other day, we've got to do in intervals because when I started the 5K or the 6K, the longest that's I've done what you there, do. Yeah, you started small and then built up and now I can just run it. But it, it is quite. How long does it take to build up to 5K when I you do couch to 5K? It didn't take long. Two weeks? Um, yeah, I'd say about two weeks. If you're going three times a week, on the second, the end of second week, you should be able to do it, I'd say. So changing the subject, Maria, and thinking back to dogs, did you grow up with dogs? No, I didn't. My mum hated dogs and was very frightened of them. So we were all frightened of them. And then when we used to come home from church, if there was a dog, we all used to have to stand still like statues. So we grew up petrified. And I didn't have my first dog um, until about 15 years ago. Really? And I had um, a little Maltese Terrier. I just got it on a whim. It was a bit runty and quite thick. Now, in comparison, I didn't know what to compare it to. But very sweet and a lovely little companion. And sadly, he had a heart condition, so died at 10. And I'd done the Joe Good Barking Hour, which she does on Radio London. And I talked about the fact that my dog had a heart condition and was not really going to last very much longer. And all her listeners, um, who all, you know, love dogs and had dogs, hence the barking hour, 
rang in and said, you must get another one now. You must get another one now. It will help the older one cope and make give it a bit of new lease of life. And it will train the younger one and it will help you when the little Maltese dies called Puppy. Very inventive name. Um, and so my friend looked up some puppies and found Dolly and I got her three weeks, I think, I had two dogs for three weeks and then Aww. poor little puppy died. Well, I say died, was very, very poorly. And you, you know that thing when people you say, oh, they will tell you when it's time. And you think, well, how? They don't speak. But they sort of do. Yeah, they, they do. do. Unfortunately. Um, and it's awful because, you, like you say, everyone thinks that's never going to happen, but actually they do. And, and the kindest thing and the most loving thing that you can do is to acknowledge that and not put it in a push chair and push chair it around when it can't wee or poo or eat or do anything. Um, that's not really a life. So, you know, he couldn't breathe and was really suffering. So I just took him to the vet and it was wonderful. I mean, it takes about 30 seconds. I, I said to the vet, can I book myself in for a week on Tuesday? <laughs> you know, because we're we're kind. We can do that to dogs and cats and other creatures. It isn't, weird, isn't it weird that we don't do it to like? I know that it's an awful thing to say we don't do it to humans, but you know, you have to go to Switzerland to get all that sort of stuff done, and it's such a, a horrible old industrial estate in Switzerland that's like a kind of you know caravan park. I always thought that by the time that I want to go, <laughs> it's getting sooner by the hour. Um, <laughs> That you'll be able to go into Tesco's and do five illnesses or fewer, and then uh, you go back to a back room and pay with your club points. And yeah. so you just, you know, get your shopping so for your last meal, wait in the little back room, get the lethal injection, and then they put you in a chute and Tesco's do the funeral. So did you get um, puppy cremate? Like, did, did the vet do all that sort of stuff for you? No, I took puppy home. In fact, I had a rather nice box. And before I went to the vets, I just popped because somebody came round. My friend Tony came round and dug, Tony from the Harbour and Nurseries, dug a little hole in the garden. Um, and I wanted to see if puppy would fit. Oh. So I put him in before, not telling him that you'll be in this later. Oh, this is awful. <laughs> I know. And I took a photograph <clears throat> and then I brought him home in a sort of antique tablecloth that I'd taken for that very purpose. Buried him in the garden oh. and I pl planted a bay tree and then I sold the flat. <laughs> ah. um, not, you know, the delivery, but I, pa I passed the bay tree constantly and it's absolutely enormous and it gives me great pleasure. Oh, well, that's lovely because you still go past it and it's about the memories, isn't it? Because he's in there, he's in your heart. And so does uh, Dolly get on with other dogs generally then? Yes, she's very curious and likes other dogs and is constantly licking them. Oh, she's so lovely. She's such a sweetheart. Whenever she comes to the salon, because Ralph is, as you know, humongous and she's tiny weeny. He's a standard poodle versus the toy poodle. You, you yeah. can't really understand that they're the same breed. No, but they're both very clever. Yes. You could see them sitting at a table playing chess. <laughs> I think. Yes. <laughs> the woofy gambit. So what? Um, what's next for you then? Are you off to the studio soon or when are you able to go back? Well, I think when we lock down, when we leave lockdown, whatever happens first, or I get a vaccine or whatever. Um, but I'm trying to use this time to write. Um, so I'm sort of doing a 
not so much a memoir, more a kind of series of essays, comedy sort of essays of various points in life. That's been going quite well. But this last week, I just kind of, you know, I've been like Jack Nicholson in The Shining, just writing the same sentence again and again and again. Do you ever ever Um, find yourself finding it hard to get like inspired to do that sort of stuff then, like to motivate yourself to actually get up and do it? Um, yes, but the, the, as they say, you know, don't get it right, get it right, because you can correct something that's on the page or on your computer. But if it's a blank page, there's nothing to correct. So, you know, I'm trying not to edit myself too much as I go. Sometimes I write it and I think, oh, that's a little rubbish, but I'll leave it. And then I come back to it and I think it is rubbish, but I'll make it less rubbish by doing this or doing that or cutting this bit. So, you know, we all censor ourselves and have kind of low self-esteem about, about what's possible. Um, and I've been enjoying it when I can, you know, make myself do it. But as every writer knows, you have the cleanest drawers because you think I'll just clean the drawers out before or I'll sort my wardrobe out. I'll do winter and summer clothes or I must just wash the kitchen floor, you know, anything rather than sit down and write. But once you get into it, uh, I is it like it's... something you get into it and then you're there for hours and you can't put it away because you've just got it, it's all flowing? And then... No, I think your concentration goes after a while. So I think four hours is about my maximum. So just, do you, does your publisher give you a time limit or do you work for your own pay? Well, no, because I, um, it was just before lockdown happened. So I said, look, in the beginning of lockdown, I was too anxious to do it. So I said, don't give me a deadline because I don't know if I'll be able to do it at all. But this second time round, and, you know, not having the sun um, and outside walks and so on, I've been a bit more disciplined. So it's going to be a book, or is it going to be a series of books? No, 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 no. It's going to be a book. A a book that you're hoping to be out to sell. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. Will there be aspects of your um, agony aunting in it? Well, I haven't got to that yet. It's more sort of like I was starting to, to do it as a, in a linear way, you know, from my life. But then I just thought, well, oh, that's boring. I'll just do little gobbits of my life, things that happened in my life that have had an impression on me or had a profound whatever. So, you know, probably about 4,000 words each chapter. Um, you know, there might be kind of 12 chapters or... Well, I'm I'm not even halfway there yet, so don't hold your breath. So going back to COVID, are we in a better mindset now this time? How do we feel about the, the uh, vaccination? Well, I think that's, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I think it's quite important that we get both vaccinations. I think government saying that, you know, we vaccinated four million people. Well, technically, you've actually given them the first vaccine and you need two. Uh, So I think as long as we can keep the supply chain coming, I'm really, you know, willing them and fingers crossed for them not to feck this up. It's very, very important that they keep this rollout coming rather than, you know, the first few weeks. Yes, we've done four million people and then stop because we are at a very critical stage. I'm not a big fan of this government and the way they've handled it, I'm afraid. Neither. I'm with you 100. percent But I think we're we're just all a bit worn down by it now. It wasn't so bad in the summer. It had a, a brief lull in the summer. We were still under 
three feet away and no public gatherings, three feet, two meters away, sorry. That's the size of Richard Osman or Peter Crouch, as I keep telling people in shops. <laughs> um, and uh, masks and so on. But it didn't feel quite so bad in summer. Now it feels like, ah, uh, this still is going on. But if you'd have said to me last February, by next February, 100,000 people will have died. It's, it's horrendous. The population of Hastings and St. Leonard's yesterday, and it's 94,000. Oh, I thought it was about 68,000, so it's more. Yeah, it's more, but it made me go, well, that's the whole of our sort of home town. Yeah, if obliterated. You, yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. It really, And it makes me wonder as well, just to be a little bit political for a second, I don't know, because the very start of this, I remember them saying that um, that they were looking for herd immunity and that they thought that that might be the way out of it. And I don't think they've wavered. I think that possibly what they're doing is waiting for it, for every, all these people to get it and then for it to tip the balance and we're all going to get herd immunity anyway and they can save the money of these vaccines because we'll all be immune anyway. <laughs> just Well, it's, you know, this government has been very hard to second guess, but they've fucked up quite a lot of it haven't they really from the from the world beating track and trace system that cost something like 22 billion oh. um and then dido harding who was in charge of it has gone on six month lead leave so she can't be tracked or traced uh so that really has never worked properly the world beating element i had somebody a friend of mine who was indoors for two weeks and never saw a single person no one came to the door two weeks two weeks and was beeped you you have been no near somebody who has uh, and then a, another friend who had covid was hospitalized put on a ventilator um and while she was on a ventilator it said beep you have been near somebody who has covid no that's unbelievable. So that hasn't worked. The PPE never got there on time. Really, everything they've tried to do. I know that I, I'm fully aware when people say don't bash the Tories or that this is a pandemic and no one's ever had to deal with it before. But it just does seem to be that everybody who's been awarded the contract is either a Tory donor or, you know, a friend of Matt Hancock's who you met down the pub. I just can't Let's believe- not get political, though. No, let's not get this. But I do have to say this one thing is that every single person I know is was saying before we lock down, we need to lock down. We need to lock down. There was a whole, we need to really lock down. We should have locked down two weeks ago. We should definitely lock down. And then Scotland does it. And then it's like Boris Johnson goes, oh, we should probably lock down. <laughs> we probably We've lock- been about two or three weeks behind virtually every time a major decision has been made. But and sure, that's quite Boris- a few lives. And to lock down before Christmas, like three days before Christmas, when people had made plans, um, a lot of people went through with those plans and we're seeing the results now. Fifty sixteen hundred deaths yesterday. No, it's just absolutely terrifying. And my poor mum, she's on her own in Eastbourne. Has she know, had her jab? No. And the weird thing is, is this, well, she's she's only 73. Um, but her I've got an auntie and uncle that are in their late 90s that live together, they haven't had their jabs. And Steve, my friend who I go running with, he's in his 50s and he's still got a nan and she hasn't had her jab. And so I said to Steve, why don't you phone 
the doctors and say, you know, my, my, my nan's 99. She needs a jab. Or no, you can't, you can't phone them because the doctors are really strict. You can't phone them. You can't ask them when it's going to be. They're really strict with you. And I was like, I'm sure they'd make an exception for a 99 or someone in their nineties, but no, mm. I think I would quite like the local news, the BBC Southeast. You know, they do the Hastings figures. They do all of the Southeast figures. Are we going up coronavirus or are we going down? They have little arrows. I would quite like them to do the numbers of people that have been vaccinated because I think there are pockets of the country that are being slightly overlooked. I agree with you. And I think also when you see that the numbers of vaccinated people are going up, it actually puts a little bit of hope in my heart and I think we all need to look at some positive rather than just constant like these are oh, the- for sure no it's it's brilliant and you know I have nothing but admiration for the scientists at Oxford you know at Pfizer and the AstraZeneca vaccine I think it's a brilliant amazing thing to do to have come up with a vaccine but I would like to know what the rollout is looking like it's yeah. so random and we're so used to a hopeless government that we just go okay well probably the southeast is being left behind because yeah, no, we're a bit shit <laughs> right well certain certain towns certain areas are even the same towns but different doctor surgeries are getting different treatments so it's just a yeah very very odd system that they're using i made a vietnamese foe the other day which was so hot that i would say could possibly have wiped out anything including the coronavirus a vietnamese what is it called foe is it foe P-H-O. i don't know what that is oh is it like a curry no it's like it's like a noodle soup oh it's chicken and noodle foe how do you spell foe p-h-o Oh, it's my favorite food, and I learned how to make it on my with my pressure. So, what made it so hot? Was it chilies? I only put two in, but they were little bird's eye ones, bastard ones. James was like, "Ah, it's really hot," and I was like, "Well, you haven't got COVID," (laughs) because I'm sure it would wipe out anything. (laughs) Well, it's taste, though, isn't it? That you lose not um, not the not the heat. You'd you would still probably. Uh, be able to feel the heat on your taste buds rather than you know because when you get a chili it's not a taste is it it's just bloody hot it is but well I because I had COVID in March as you know and I didn't lose my taste buds I ate like a beast (laughs) wow so what was your main um symptom flu like high temperature and like flu-y like symptoms like you say and the worst headache it was that was my worst. I didn't have a cough either. I just had a really terrible headache. But the weird thing was that I had an antibody test afterwards and it was positive. And then I wanted to see how long after I'd still have antibodies for it. And it was five that, you know, what they're saying now is it's five months, but it was five months. I took another antibody test and I was negative. Wow. But I wonder if you retain some of that. Well, they say, wonder- these, they say that your T cells fight disease yeah so i don't know i don't think it's just antibodies that sort it out i think t-cells do too anyway on that note i think that it's been lovely to talk to you maria thank no, you so much for being my lovely guest it's been very nice to talk to you speak to you along the way darling See you darling bye-bye if you're wanting the good life settle down with the dog Furry, fun and faithful, they will do what they can. They've been man's best friend since human records began. I tell you, get yourself in the good life. We've a 
to flow. Nothing in this world is quite as wholesome and good as living life with a dog.